Welcome back to this week of Beanie and Cardell, Cardell and Beanie, and we got to break down this game. But before we do that, we got to give a shout out to our sponsor partner, Raising Canes. I know during the game, I had a lot of Raising Canes, and you know the game was starting to get ugly, so I just started eating <laughs> more and more. Oh man, no, that's that's funny. I actually had an opportunity to go down there to the game, and. Uh, you know, midway through the third and the rest of the game, I, I was looking for my comfort food. I was looking for my Kings, but there was no Kings in sight. And I think that was one of the most disappointing moments of the night for me. I couldn't <laughs> have my comfort food. So I had to just go back to my hotel, lick my wounds, and go to bed. And couldn't wait to get back up here to Columbus, Ohio, yes. catch up with my guy Beanie, and grab some Kings. Man, uh, talk about comfort food. That was a very uncomfortable game. And I obviously was indulging in a lot of comfort food just to, you know, keep from chewing my hands off and yelling and losing my voice through the TV. Um, you were down there. What was your reaction to seeing some of the things in the first half that just wasn't going right and then watching Devontae Smith just straight up slaughter us? Um, I mean – he wasn't a Heisman Trophy winner for no reason. He right. wasn't the most outstanding player for no reason. He's not He's not just one of the best receivers, but to my understanding, he's a really good person mm -hmm. on and off the field. But um, it was tough, man. I was super optimistic about the first half because we was going back and forth. I think at one point it was 14-14. It was <clears throat> looking as it was looking like the game that we all anticipated mm -hmm. with um, lackluster defenses on both teams and, and high-powered offenses. But – you know, how they had a three and out of the first possession, and they, you know, I think they had to settle for three or or, or another three and out, um, you know, midway through the second quarter, and then it was no stopping Alabama unless I think they had a turnover, but every other drive than that, I think they, you know, put up six. Yeah. You know, so it, it was tough, man. I mean, it was a tall task to ask our defense to stand up to, to – they had seven national award winners on that team, and five of them was on offense. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was, it, was a t it was a tall task for our defense, any defense, right? To stand up to them guys, and that's why they were, you know, number one team in the country from uh, week one to week thirteen. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, I still was pretty bummed out that our Buckeyes didn't uh, perform as you know to our expectations as fans mm -hmm. and as alumni and as you know fanatics. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say fans. I'm going to say fanatics. I'm crazy about our Buckeyes. But, um, hey, I mean, I'm looking forward to next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next year as well. Um, I think watching this game, instantly I got the 2006 feel when we lost the national championship to uh, Florida. And reason being is because I remember Ted Ginn running down on the kickoff. Really? And, you know, scoring in the end zone and then breaking his leg. Yeah. And breaking his foot. Yeah. And I get that. I got that feeling once I saw – Trey Sermon go out the game. Really? That's, I really got that feeling. That's so funny because someone said that to me, and I was just like, I remember I was out watching that game, but I just was like, come on, I'm not going to. <laughs> I, no offense to Trey Sermon, had a hell of a way to end the season, but uh, outside of, you know, getting hurt, um, but I'm not going to um, compare his impact of the game to Tig and Junior. Uh, one of the top return. This is this was my argument. Right. One of the best returners in college football history. Mm -hmm. One of the best deep threats in college football history. One of the best receivers in Ohio State history. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, compare his impact potentially on that game mm -hmm. to the impact of what. Ted potentially could have brought to that national championship game. But it was a huge loss. Uh, nevertheless, it was a huge loss for the Buckeyes not to have Sermon because there was a couple of plays out the backfield, especially in the passing game, that I feel like Sermon would have made right. that Teague didn't. So, And that's part of the reason as to why I believe I had that feel was because when you look at you know the Big Ten championship, you look at the way we played versus Clemson, Sermon was the 
X factor in those games. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's a it's a difference between an X factor and a guy that's going to be heavily indulged in the game plan. Ted was going to be indulged in the game plan. I, I believe Summer was too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, but when I say like um X factor, I think he was more of that X factor. Yeah, I think he was going to be more of um okay, we're going to run our regular run game, and if he break one, great. But the X factor is going to come with him in the passing game. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about him because he he's taking that two or three yard check down in space, potentially one on one with a guy, potentially right. the distance, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but no, they still like I said before, they two two guys that is going to have significant impact on the game. Um, and it sucked to see Sermon. Um, hopefully that wasn't his last Buckeye game. You know, but it, it sucks to see him walk off the field or yeah. pretty much. With injury. It, it probably was, man. You know, you look at the situation with him and knowing that, you know, he could come back to Ohio State, but I think he already kind of committed himself to the senior bowl. Um, and, and knowing that he's had this hot streak, you know, ripping off, you know, three great games back-to-back uh, from Michigan State to the Big, Big Ten, Ten Championship to Clemson, Clemson. Uh, and, and knowing the impact that he had on that, he's probably going to leave. And I, I don't blame him. He's a running back. I mean, you go out your last game and you get hurt on your first carry, probably breaking the <laughs> collarbone. Um, you got to have your sights set on the next level and, you know, what's going to pay you the next time you're going to get hurt. Um, but diving into this football game, I mean, it was so many different areas to where I was not pleased. At, and especially – um, knowing the magnitude of the moment. That's what it's yeah. about. It's yeah. Understanding the magnitude of the moment as a football player, you know the real true dogs, the competitors rise to the occasion. <laughs> we had some guys rise to the occasion, but we had some guys not rise to the occasion, understanding the importance of this moment. And, man, I, I just wasn't pleased with our secondary as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and then we talked about this last week. Um, what advice could we give the players and stuff like that? I mean, like, my guys, there's no advice we can give you. This is the biggest game of your mm-hmm. careers. <laughs> don't don't wake up Tuesday morning or, or go to bed, you know, Monday night after the game with regrets. Right. You know, I wish I would have did this. Mm-hmm. I wish I, you know, just go out there and play, leave it all out there on the field. And I think to the most part, a lot of these guys did, but, you know, it just didn't end up the way we wanted it to end up because that's another team. Guys were giving them the same speech. Right. Guys wanted just as bad mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, as a whole, I, um, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed in anyone because these guys, both teams made it to this point. Oh, for yeah, that's a the reason. biggest thing, for sure. Yeah. But I think, um, I wish that uh, we would uh, play better in, in certain areas. Yeah, for sure. But golly, man, it, that was a tall. Like I said, that was a tall task to ask. You know, um, our defense to to uh, maintain. And I'm not gonna say stop. <laughs> stop. Maintain that a uh, high power Alabama offense. I don't think I've seen an offense like that and from Alabama and, mm-hmm. um, since I've been watching college football. Yeah, man. I, I hate you know, pinpointing and singling out guys and this, that, and the third. But I think a lot of that game from a defensive standpoint, I think that has to fall on the shoulders of the coaching staff. Because I don't think we put our players in the best situation. There were so many times there where you and I just talked about where, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is picking up whether they're doing zone or man coverage. Yeah. And they're doing those short little um you know motions with Devontae Smith just to figure out, okay, who's coming and him not going all the way halfway, turn and go and run a, you know, quick fly out route exactly and and in those situations you're not able to cover that and in my mind all i kept yelling at the tv was okay they're figuring out for his own emotion instead of having a guy go all the way across the field with him like you would in uh, a man Mm -hmm. just bump over yeah and that way you are the guy already has leverage on that side and banks was one of the guys 
trying to, you know, shadow him across the field. But by the time the ball was stamped, he would be two steps behind. Yeah. And now Devontae Smith is out there in a situation a to where he's but, on a success. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword when you look at I know exactly what you're talking about. But um, uh, Smith scored on both ways. Smith scored on the one where he, he went in motion, he acted like he was coming back, then he sprinted. Mm-hmm. So Banks was trailing because if you remember maybe a, a play or, or a series or two before, Smith went in motion on a play and he stopped because he knew they was running over and he reversed back and he just dumped it. No one was open. I'm like, right. where'd he go? Because everybody's thinking he's going to go over. Mm-hmm. So the one when Banks was trailing, he probably was thinking that he was going to do a little motion again and go back on the snap. Right. But great call, uh, great play calling, great game planning. Steve Sarkeesian made him think he was doing that, and then now he just kept on his regular motion, and that's why Banks was two or three yards behind him, right. like he was wide open. It's just game planning, and it's just having those adjustments on the sideline. Like you said, Steve was, he was, um, he was getting man zone indicators all game from, right. for his quarterback to understand what type of play we're going to go, and, and uh, who, who our matchup is, but he was lining the tight end out all the way outside the receiver, so he was saying basically, hey, if a linebacker or safety go out there, it's man. If if they just bump the coverage, it's zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's bring them back in. Let's call the play accordingly. Same with the running back. Put the running back all the way out there. Okay, linebacker safety go out there. Oh, it's man zone. Right. If it's not, let's let's play accordingly. And um, he just put their team in a really good position for success. I would love to see. I would have loved to see Coach Combs on, on Ohio State side of the ball make some adjustments to that, right. and maybe trick them throw. A, and this is things that you do in the NFL. You'll throw a linebacker out there even though you're still playing zone, mm-hmm. and because. We're not. They don't have running backs, or to my understanding, the tight end to really be a one receiver out there that you feel bad with your linebacker right, guarding. Right. He ain't about to run a go route on him, <laughs> like you know. So some of the things like that, like I was screaming out there, like dude, just just play the cat and mouse game. That's right. what it is. It's cat and mouse game. He he's seeing what he's seeing your hand. Now switch it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see better adjustments to put our guys in better positions, but um. Man, that was like I said, it was a tough. It was a tough task. Yeah, to it was, man. The, the one play that sticks out to me, you know, vividly, is I think we were in like a Tampa two defense where you know you got the two high safeties, you got the middle oh linebacker. God. You know, what I'm just going with this. Yeah. You got the middle linebacker dropping back, covering Devontae Smith. Yeah, it was. And it's just like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, he was like, <laughs> and I, I want to say it was tough, Borland. He's running for his life. At this point, to try to catch up, there's nothing you can do in that situation because he was honey roasted. Yeah, that's so the deep. Defense was more like a like a like a defense that Seattle runs, right. like a cover three. What that linebacker he he's matching three vertical, uh-huh. and they having that they having a safety cheat to number two a little bit. Look him up. So you can run that defense if you got a Bobby Wagner who can run with a guy vertical downfield. Right. I love Tough, great player, mm-hmm. great captain, great leader. But he ain't Bobby Wagner. <laughs> he ain't about to run with Devontae Smith right. vertical. And Steve saw that. And before that play, it was a check-check play as far as, okay, you go for a fake cadence. They look to the sideline. Steve saw the, the structure of defense. He knew it was that was coming. He just ran that guy over. He just went all verticals. And that's your worst nightmare. Man. And that defense is a great defense, but it got his weakness yeah. versus all vertical. <laughs> but it's a great defense if you got a number, you got a middle linebacker who can run with a guy like that. But. It's just, you, you just put guys in tough positions, and you put tough in a tough position. Yeah, basically, <laughs> you put them in a really tough position. And uh, golly, it just—I think you guys sent me that that meme. His <laughs> engine light came on, trying to, chase, <laughs> trying to chase this guy down the field, and I was just been like, "You gotta be kidding me!" 
I'd have been screaming the whole time I was right. screaming. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Bro, it was just so many crazy situations in that game. Um, but nonetheless, we're, we're all proud of Ohio State for obviously making it there under the circumstances in which they went through all year long with the COVID issues, yeah. uh, the coaches being out, certain players being out, and this team being able to rally around each other and, and to still be able to have the wherewithal and, and the mental fortitude to be able to get into this position and play in a national championship. You get there, you got to play better. We didn't. But moving along to next season, um, I think there's so many questions with this football team next year. Uh, who's going to be the quarterback? Who's going to be the running back? You know, who's going to be the linebacker and core that we're going to have that we're going to be losing? The DBs. We're going to have so many holes on this team. Um, what's, what's your thought about next season? Is it simply, all right, we'll reload. We got guys or – or it's going to be scratching your head because we haven't seen a backup quarterback all year. Yeah, so one thing I, I don't pay attention to when it comes to college football is recruiting. So I don't – I mean, I'm pretty sure Hasek got one of the top recruiting classes, but I don't know players coming in and expectations and all that other stuff. But I'm excited actually about the defensive backs group mm-hmm. because of the young, hungry guys that they have in that room right now that I know that was just chopping at their bits to get a piece of this year because of the lackluster play. Right. And I know these guys, and I know a couple personally, going to take that as a personal challenge to make sure that they're not going to allow the defense and especially the passing game to be in some of those positions they was in or to be bottom rankings, uh, you know, the end of the season, uh, giving up 500 yards and another 400-yard game and things like that to other quarterbacks. Right. I think they gave up, you know, three – 400-yard-plus games to quarterbacks, Indiana, Trevor Lawrence, and, um, you know, uh, Alabama. So um, that's just kind of unheard of uh, when it comes to uh, DBU. But um, I know those guys are going to be excited and be chopping at the bits and hungry and want to get on that field and stay on the field. Yeah. So I'm excited about that group. But overall, yeah, a couple of questions because you're going to lose some guys up front on the offensive line. Clearly you're going to lose your quarterback. Um, you're going to lose um, Sermon. Um, I, I think Teague is – I think Teague is back. Yeah, yep. I think Teague is potentially can come back. Um, then you potentially lose Olave, you know, but you got Wilson back. Um, you, so you don't know who your quarterback is going to be. And then um, you're going to use some leadership up front on the defensive line with Jonathan Cooper and then your linebacker core with Tough mm-hmm. and those guys and been there three or four years and, you know, X amount of years captain. So you're going to lose some leadership. Right. That's my biggest concern. You're going to lose some leadership in that program. Is that who's going to step up? You know, um, who's going to step up right and, um, and and take, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the 2011 season. I think it was Braxton Miller's first year when, you know, uh, Ohio State was going through a lot of the um, the bands and, and all that stuff. You know, Posey was out. Boom was out, I mm-hmm. think. Um, Pryor was out. He's all returning, you know, starters and, um, you know, uh, guys had high accolades. And um, you walked in to a program where you didn't know who to turn to right. for leadership mm-hmm. and, and, and you didn't know who was the guy if you needed to play on offense and stuff like that. Right. Braxton was just a freshman coming out of high school, early enrollee, so it was like, do we just get a – like we just put our team on this kid's back see uh-huh. how far he can take <laughs> us. But, um, yeah, so that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, who's going to step up and be that leader. And I'm really excited about the defensive back room. Yeah. Uh, so many position groups, man, are going to have so many openings. Um, with this coaching staff, I think we got the right pieces in play. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be a huge learning, learning experience for our entire staff. Uh, for guys that have never been there, 
in the national championship playing against a team like Alabama, you're going to know what to expect next time. Yeah. Just like we did last year versus Clemson. Yeah. We knew what to expect going into this game, and, and I think it it bode well for us going forward. Uh, that bitter taste in my mouth, though, it's going to suck all offseason because it's going to be a long season. one. And I know it's going to be the same for these guys, but you got to – you know, keep that in the back of the memory bank, knowing what that feeling was like to lose in the national championship. And to not only lose, but to kind of have the doors beat off you. Yeah, and it'd yeah, be pretty yeah. good because you scored sometimes, but Alabama, for the most part, especially in that first half, scored every time they touched the ball. Yeah. Yeah, Every time was, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown, they were scoring a point. Yeah, for sure. And I think it gave a lot of guys a wake-up call because, you know, just having a personal relationship with some of the coaches, some of the players, a lot of guys there are a little bit complacent with just wearing the scarlet and gray. Right. And understand and thinking that teams are going to lay down for you. Hey, mm-hmm. no, it's not. This is big boy mm-hmm. football. They want to win as just as bad as you. These guys was recruited just highly recruited just as you. And you're playing against, you know, another top-tier program. It was just like it's like I almost put up or shut up and – Golly, I hope we have spring ball this year because <laughs> that's going to be the best way to get some of this bitter taste out of my mm-hmm. mouth to see what potentially can happen in the fall. Right. You know, so um, let's see. I mean, I'm excited about it because, like you said, a lot of these coaches never been through a, a situation like this where they can self-evaluate and mm-hmm. reevaluate their rooms and, and their position and their um, coaching abilities and their recruiting abilities and things like that to see what a top-tier not necessarily program, but top tier football team looked like because that was Alabama this year. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I I didn't think Alabama was going to come out like they did. You know, I knew they were going to be great passing the football because of the receiver and the quarterback that they have. I didn't think they were going to run the ball and, and be so creative in running the ball and getting Najee Harris the ball in the backfield in so many different ways. And he was impressive. He was and then, super yeah, impressive. Man, he's been impressive to me personally since he was a, he was a young player. And uh, you know, and one thing that I'm going to say about the Alabama, I mean, we we talk about how great all these skilled players are, which you know, rightfully so. But everyone on the offensive line will get drafted. Yeah, guarantee we'll get drafted. I'm talking about first two rounds. The offensive line was insane. <laughs> and just I caught three of their games this year, and I'm just like, God, these guys are really good. These guys are really good. But you see a sweet spot when the offensive line – well, okay, I guess they, all the games I caught was late in the season, so I didn't see them earlier, so I don't know if they struggled or not. But, man, they were really good in the pass game and in the run game. So yeah. these dumb, dumb guys, I believe, will all get drafted. They stay healthy, stay on this path. I think they all play in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they, they always recruit well. Those guys always develop well and always look good at the next level. Um Digging back in on this Ohio State team, um, you know, the big question mark, we already talked about, you know, certain guys that are going to be exiting this program. Justin Fields, you know, him leaving, him coming here uh, a year ago and kind of setting the world on fire at Ohio State, making everybody so motivated and confident with this football team. Uh, Replacing that guy, to me, is going to be one of the harder things that we're going to have to do on this football team. You know, for so many years, it was always – all right, the running back position at Ohio State was the marquee spot. Yeah. But the past five, six years, that's kind of transformed. And now it's like every other program. Okay, it's who's your quarterback? Yeah. Who's your quarterback? Can that guy make plays? Can he pick guys in position to make plays? And can he be a leader for your football team? And Justin Fields was that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that transformation happened with the dynamics of college football. Mm-hmm. Everybody turned into more of a spread type of quarter, uh, system where your quarterback got to get on the edge, quarterback got to be able to run, you got to be able to throw. So your quarterback is your your driving factor of your usually of your program, your football team. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be um, the biggest thing that we had to replace because um, he was so much to our offense and he mm-hmm. did so many things off schedule. Right. You know, a lot of things that uh, your your 
not even gonna say average, but your good quarterbacks mm-hmm. would can't do. Right. You know, and this kid was great. He was amazing in and out the pocket, and he was doing things that you just can't coach. You can't teach. You can't watch film and say, yeah, and Justin's backup, you do this too. <laughs> See how he broke three tackles in the backfield, spent on the guy, and threw the ball $60 down the field on a dime? We're going to work that drill tomorrow. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? It don't happen like that. So um, you re- you got to replace a, a, a Justin with another high-caliber guy, and that's the standard, though. Mm-hmm. He's he's raising that standard. He's yep. raising that bar of what it takes or what it looked like to be Ohio State quarterback. And if that next guy isn't ready for that, then it's going to just set the team and the program back. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of to be. It's a lot to be held and to be put on the on the quarterback battle right. going into the spring ball and going into the fall. How, how hurt do you think Justin was in that game? We didn't see I, him run the ball man. a whole lot, especially in the first half. Um, I thought I seen him get a hit and kind of wince and a little bit of pain, but I expected there to be more design runs to kind of open it up, especially once Sermon got hurt, and we didn't see yeah, a lot of that. I, I seen a guy play with a tear meniscus versus Penn State and running the game winning touchdowns and and double overtime. I, I don't I'm sorry. I can't talk about a quarterback how hurt someone was right. or something like that. It's part of the game. Mm-hmm. You, you play you don't. Right. I mean, yeah, we got a limited play call because we don't want to, you know, keep susceptible to injuries. Mm-hmm. But if you hurt, let's play. And if I'm hurt back and play, no no no, we go call this game. 100%. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I seen JT Barrett, you know, get uh, you know, dropped them off at knee, getting knee surgery. Uh, what was it, 2016? Up after the team up north, tears meniscus, and then be ready for the Big Ten championship game six days later. Yeah, I after surgery. Out of that. After surgery, I, I, I really it's hard for me to talk about if I'm impressed with a guy's toughness or or how hurt someone is or anything like that, especially dealing with the quarterback position. Right. <laughs> and the national championship game. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And, and I don't think his injury played. A part of nothing he was doing, anything like that. I think I thought he played a part of play calling, though. Maybe, maybe it, it, it potentially could, but I don't. I don't envision him going to them and saying, "Hey, I'm guys, don't let's not run that dude because this." Because I remember, you know, when I was playing, it was like, "Hey, Tom, we don't want to run the quarterback as much because we ain't got another one if he get hurt." So, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> we play. We right. go play this game. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't call plays the timidness or what might can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go ahead and play this game. We worry about everything else when it happens. Yeah. You know, so it's hard for me to talk about injuries or battling through it because you suppose it's a given. Man, hell yeah, it's, it's football, so na- especially the national championship game. I mean, if you suit up, you got a lot of time to recover. Don't right. worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You, you got to play. <laughs> yeah, Trey Sermon's a different situation. You is broken. <laughs> you got you got to leave the state. You got to go get right. surgery or something. Buddy. But um, yeah, that, that's tough. Though. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Take a quick raising canes break. Uh, go get you guys something in your tummy because I am real quick. We'll be right back. If Raising Cane's secret cane sauce was the end zone, no one would ever lose a game. Crispy, crinkle-cut fries, touchdown. Buttery Texas toast, touchdown. Hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers, touchdown. Freshly made tea and lemonade, well, you get the point. Go for the win this game day with Cane's. Raising Cane's chicken fingers, proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. One love. All right, welcome back to the show. I have my quick Canes break. Uh, got a couple of those tenders up in me. Um, we got some questions on Twitter. And first question is from a young lady, Megan Little. Uh, if Urban Meyer takes the Jacksonville Jaguars job, who does he take from OSU staff? And how does that affect the program and recruiting? That's a good question right there. Um, who would he take from the staff? Man. Yeah. I don't. See, I, I don't 
I really don't know. Maybe, I mean, a guy like Ryan Stamper or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You take I, him and put him in a, uh, the developmental role that they have in the league. Um, he's from that Jacksonville area. Yep. So it would be kind of a home going for him. Um, from a coaching standpoint, you know, I look up and down the defense. I don't know that those guys would necessarily – I don't know that there's many NFL guys on our coaching staff outside of Ryan Day that would potentially leave. I, I, you can, you know, say – Mickey Mirati, would he go and take the NFL job? Yeah, there. I was just thinking about that. That was a great question. Because, um, I mean, it's not like you have that much control in the league like you do in college. Yeah. So if you're not one of those coaches that's willing to relinqu- relinquish some of that control and some of that, you know, palm my chest, I'm the man, you got to listen to me, I don't know how successful you're going to be. So with those type of guys, I know Stamp would be a guy that could certainly do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mirati, I'm sure he would, be able, he would be able to do that as well. But would he want to? Yeah, one the job thing I, security here is crazy. Yeah, one thing I know about Coach Mick is that he enjoys the offseason program when it comes to developing and bonding that team together. Mm-hmm. NFL is no such thing as oh, let's do this, let's make sure because that's already expected, right? You know, so that summer, that uh, winter to spring to summer programming, uh, weight room program and strength and conditioning, you know that you know six seven months to develop the team to get ready to hand the team off to the coaches for camp and get ready for this fall season, that's he loves that. And it's you don't do that in the NFL. Right. Because majority of the offseason is spent on your own training with your trainers back wherever you at and things mm-hmm. like that. So he will have only, you know, ten weeks of OTAs with guys when you can really get after a little bit in the weight room. But other than that, it's kind of start tapering down. Right. You're not going that hard in camp and let alone a season. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, a, a unique, new, and I would have to imagine strange um, way for him mm-hmm. to to go from a college program that you know he really helped build the the team to an NFL program where you only really have ten weeks dedicated to the guys. Right. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see Coach Stamp. I mean, uh, Ryan Stamp. I call him Coach Stamp. Ryan Stamper did some type of developmental role because that was a role he played, and that's the role he plays at Ohio State now. And um, but I don't know if he'd take any of the coaches that just because I don't know his relationship with any of them. Right. When you go take a job, you you go guys that you you go get guys that you know mm-hmm. and things like that. And I don't know how well he know these guys. So well, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see what. <laughs> I mean, I think Urban Meyer. You know, the more and more I hear about that job opening, the more and more I hear about you know the lack of interviews that have went on for that Jacksonville Jaguar jobs leads me to believe that Urban is probably coming out of retirement. Is going to take that job Let's and see. it's going to. Going to be probably a hefty check and a lot of control yeah. that he has with that uh, program there. Yeah. yeah. Say again? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. He better yeah, at least man. give hey, me a workout. Right, no he better question. at least give me a workout. Got to get Cardell down there with oh, him, man. He, he better at least give me a workout. It's going to be <laughs> hell to pay. <laughs> uh, our next question is coming from uh, uh, actually a, a Buckeye brother. Uh, Shouts out to Von uh, Broadax. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that last name right. Do you, his question is, do you feel Kerry Combs is qualified to be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, especially after looking at this year's overall results? Um. I still think Coach Combs is qualified to be the coordinator there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's a learning curve for him. You know, I can imagine Coach Combs. Guys don't know about Coach Combs. Coach Combs is a very hands-on coach, and that's why he coached and developed six, seven, eight first-round DBs when he was at Ohio State, and that's why he have a great track record. But when you have to put on – now when you have to worry about not just the DBs but the front end – you know, well, the front seven and calling it all together mm-hmm. and make sure it all ties in. 
it's it's different. I can imagine Coach Cones being in the meeting room and he trying to coach his guys, right? So he's there and he's talking to, you know, Sean Way, hey Way, great play right here. Do this next time. Hey Banks, this was great. Then he see he see a, a D lineman out the wrong gap. Now he got to get hit pause. Oh, man. Okay, wait a minute, guys. He got to go run to the defense line room, rip their butts, tell your coach, hey, you know, play 14. Jonathan Cooper, he crashed where he should have contained. Make sure you don't do that again and stuff like that. Now you're going back to your room. Okay, hey, Way, great play. Oh, this is really good. Great tackle. Oh, now you see the linebacker in the wrong gap. Well, he didn't buzz under, you know, he didn't buzz under, you know, into the flats fast enough. Now it looked like Sean Way getting picked on. Oh, now he got to hit pause. Now he got to run to the linebacker room. Hey, tough. You got to get under there next time. Hey, Brian, that's you. This is your reason why this and this, this, that, and all this other stuff. So um, he's really good at compartmentalizing when he got his group of guys, but now he's coaching the whole defense. And it's a learning curve. But I still think he's qualified to do the job. And I wouldn't have any other guy in that position other than him. And um, he got a great staff around him, especially with Coach Johnson. Uh, I can imagine Coach Johnson being some type of co-defense coordinator to help take some of that load off Coach Combs. Right. Because I, not because of the lack of production, just because I know how Coach Combs loved to be more hands-on with his guys. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think he's qualified, certainly. Um, <clears throat> what Was this year a learning curve? Were there issues? 100%. And I think that happens when you're a first-time coordinator and, and you're going into a new situation. And obviously, we know he's been here at Ohio State, but going into, like Cardell said, controlling an entire defense and making sure guys are lined up and where they're supposed to be on a specific call is tough. And it's going to take some time to digest. Maybe next year comes a situation to where he does uh, relinquish some of that duty and kind of, you know, empower somebody else. And I'm sure, you know, this year it wasn't all of him Anyways, I, I just think, you know, the defensive coordinator name being uh, highlighted in bold, it makes you get the brunt of the, 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 yeah, the bark when, you know, when you're yeah. going through the issues. Exactly. That's how it is. Just like I always say, man, when you win, lose, or when you win or lose a game, the, the quarterbacks get too much blame when they lose and get too much hype when you win the game. Right. And it's just like that with coordinators and head coaches. 100%. No different, man. So, you know, it, it's a deal where, you know, had a couple bad games and it's not all on the coaching staff. It's It's – it's a collective effort. I think it he'll is. be fine, you know, as he goes along and as we adjust. Um, talking about Urban Meyer a little bit, do, do we think that Urban is – obviously, we already talked about whether he's going to take the job or I think he's going to take the job. Him taking that job, uh, what do you think it looks like for Urban and for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Do you I, see a situation towards instant success or do you think it's going to you know, take some time to build? Well, one thing about coaches when they walk in – new coaches, when they walk into a situation like this – of, of immediate, well, not immediate expectations of uh, almost rebuilding. Mm-hmm. He's going to have more leeway. He's going. Right. That's why Hugh Jackson, you know, former coach of the Browns, can go one in thirty-one in two years because it was no real expectations on that team. He was trying to build something mm-hmm. and then get fired. You know, halfway through his third year, um, I think that'll be a situation like that with Coach Meyer. Not saying he's going to go, you know, a horrible record, but he will have time to build where you, but where you don't see like a job like a Chargers or a job like. You know, Eagles, a job like, you know, some of these other jobs. You walk into that thing, they got the pieces in place. We need you to win right now. Right. We need you to add your touch, your your culture, your program to this right now because we got the guys. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's like that right now in Jacksonville. And so if he inherited that program, they're going to they're gonna almost give him the keys to it. Right. And I can envision it, like I said before, being like a Bill O'Brien where you walk into the head coach and pretty much a GM as well. So like a CEO of the organization mm-hmm. type of role. If if Jacksonville or any other team is willing to do that and give that to him, I think he has success and understanding that he's a great motivated, great teacher. And I think he at home and that, hey, this ain't no this ain't no wake up, I'm taller. 
Right. This ain't no. This ain't no spring and no sugar on it. It's good to go. Right. This is a time. This is process. And and organizations understand that yeah. definitely. What you know, some of these organizations are going through kind of a, a rebuilding program. And, I mean, uh, appointing their programs and organizations. Um, and I think that's what he has success at. If if that organization believes in his plan and believes in him and that he can get it done in the next two and a half, three years. And I think Urban's system, his offensive system, I think that's where we're seeing the league go to now anyways. You know, that kind of run, shoot, uh, you know, spread the ball out, uh, get a quarterback that can be athletic and run type situation. I think he would be able to be successful in the league from an offensive standpoint. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see because I believe it's going to happen. Uh, I think the big question mark is, you know, he's going to have that number one draft pick. Who is he taking? Is he taking Trevor Lawrence or is he taking Justin Fields? Or is he going far left and taking a kid out of uh, North Dakota State who's the the next uh, – uh, the next Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, it's going to be real interesting to see how that situation plays out. Um, and speaking of head coaching vacancies, you know there's always going to be rumors when you're an Ohio State coach. Always. For always. you to, you know, take that next jump and go to the National Football League. I seen a tweet out there that said a hot name to keep an eye on, eye on for the Philadelphia Eagles is Ryan Day. Ryan Day coached there in 2015. Ryan Day, we all know, has came from the NFL. That is a situation – that if you're a coach anywhere in college football, I know the security in college, you have to kind of, you know, peek at a little bit because that's a pretty girl on the side right there. If, yeah. you're, if you're a coach at Ohio State, there's, uh, you know, a lot of other pretty situations. That is certainly one of them. Yeah, for sure. And then you think about Coach Day and uh, the success that he has with coaching quarterbacks. You know, you go back to his first time here at Ohio State's first year with JT. JT had some of the best numbers he had in his career. Well, had career year. Um, Dwayne Haskins had a career, clearly one year, but a career, a career year. And what he done with Justin in two years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he walked into a, a unique situation where it is win right now, and you got the pieces. Heck, they're only three know, years they, what, removed from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, also, and they had the opportunity to still make the playoffs this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. You know, um, so you're going to walk into a unique situation with a guy that's highly paid there, and you got all the talent in the world. Um, um, Carson Winston, you got a, a young, promising guy as well, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. So you're going to walk into a situation where you're going to have. Any way you go with your quarterback and leading and then moving a uh, program forward, you're going to be um, you're going to be good. You, you just you know pick your poison. So um, I can see that you know being uh, enticed up to Coach Day and then you know just get Coach Day to the Eagles and uh, just bring Luke Fickle home. <laughs> that would be the ideal situation if Ryan Day does decide that you know what this girl is looking so good right here being the Philadelphia Eagles and, and, and goes and, and decides to take her to prime and go and marry her. Yeah, and if I'm Cincinnati, I'm telling you right now what I'm doing. Hey, I just saw that tweet. I'm calling every booster right. in Cincinnati. How much hey, more? Hey, can I get more money for Luke Fickle? Please and thank you. 100%. Please and thank you. I need, I need, I'm sorry, guys. Hey, guys, the next three years, I need $3 million from all of you guys right. under the table to give Luke Fickle. Bro, because it's a situation there for Luke. Luke doesn't leave Cincinnati for a job like, uh, you know, yeah, he say it again. Michigan yeah, Michigan, he's not going to go to Michigan State. No. It got to be like an SC, a Texas type situation for Luke Fickle because he can stay winning 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games a year at Cincinnati and stay there forever and be a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there would be no reason for him to jump ship and leave unless he's going to a very pretty girl like Ohio State or a very pretty girl like out in Southern California. Yeah. So, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense for him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Yeah, man. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. 
uh, a real interesting offseason with coaching changes, player changes, transfers. Uh, one of the things that we didn't really talk about, which I think is going to be so critical this year, everybody gets another year of eligibility Yeah, due to COVID. Yeah. That is freaking great and, and enormous for a lot of players to be able to say, you know what, I can come back to school. I got injured this, at the beginning of this year. I know I was going to be a higher draft pick, but I need to come back and prove something. Now I can come back. Hell, Justin Fields, if he wanted to, he can come back anyways yeah. because he's leaving early. Yeah. And the fact that you get an additional year, same with Trey Sermon. So there are a lot of guys that are going to have tough decisions to make uh, whether they're going to jump ship or come back. But I love that NCAA implemented that all across sports. Everybody gets an additional year. Or this year doesn't count against their eligibility. Yeah. Uh, it's how it's, uh, how it's in the language. But it's going to be interesting for coaches, players, and all. But, again, congrats to our Buckeyes. Um, you guys had a hell of a season making it to the national championship. Uh, we know it's going to be an even better one next year. Um, we'll be back with you guys next week. That's a wrap this week on the show. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.